Welcome to this episode of Ms. Law Explains Things. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Ms. Law Explains Things. So we are at episode 71 on the Evision Primer series, and for this particular episode, the evaluative question that I'm looking at is the following. Discuss the factors that the Singapore government will need to consider in deciding whether or not to ban PHOs. Right? So PHOs refers to partially hydrogenated oils. More explanation will be given later. And the relevant concepts for this episode include chapter 1, or theme 1, which is the rational decision-making process for economic engines, weighing the costs and benefits in decision-making, recognising trade-offs, intended and unintended consequences. So today's a uh, particular question I think most of us will be quite familiar with because it is about various like benefits, costs and constraints. But I think what's important is when we actually take a look at this question, the government is definitely making a decision, right? And the decision is about whether it wants to ban the partially hydrogenated oils. So I think the issue of this question number one is to actually kind of identify what is the source of the problem. Is it a multi more multifaceted problem? Like can we bring in like, you know, things beyond efficiency or you know, can we bring in equity and other things like that? But if you think about it, right, banning the partially hydrogenated oils is already assuming that there's some kind of like source of market failure. So according to the article, which is also attached in the link in the description, it's actually a source of artificial trans fat. Right? And it's sometimes like an ingredient in foods uh, in Singapore. Like it could be manufactured locally, it could be imported. right? And interestingly, the Ministry of Health decided to ban all of these partially hydrogenated oils. So... Very interesting is like what is the source of market failure because that's how we would actually explain the benefits. So, so number one, we're trying to address some source of market failure. We kind of get an idea that it can't be a positive externality because you're banning it. Because if you want to encourage consumption of something, that's because it's, it's good, right? So you want people to consume more. So there must be some kind of like overconsumption issue um, that is actually causing this uh, whole problem or whole discussion. That's why people are trying to ban it. So you might want to think about it like is there negative consumption externalities? Right. Are there any like uh, information failure that's happening, for example? Definitely it's not public good because it's a private good, right? So it's sold in the market. Any good that's sold in the market is definitely not a public good, right? Because a private firm has an incentive to like provide it or supply it. But if it's partially hydrogenated oils, it's actually kind of an ingredient in foods, right? So it causes food maybe to be unhealthy. And you're looking at it from a negative consumption externality standpoint. The marginal private cost is like your own, like you know, healthcare costs, I guess. But the MEC is the fact that because you became unhealthier as a result of eating this trans fat, you are definitely going to have like an impact on your productivity and the wider economy. You're going to have increased absenteeism from work. That is the marginal external cost. You getting unhealthy is your own marginal private cost. It has nothing to do with. Uh, external parties who did not consume the artificial trans fat. So I think we need to make a distinction between who is like the direct consumer or producer of this thing as well who's a third party. So I think we can definitely admit that there's some kind of like negative externality. There's also likely some kind of info failure issue, right? Because maybe people underestimate their true MPC, they don't think it's as harmful as it is, or they overestimate their true MPV. Lah. But the whole idea is that they are sickly, they are over consuming. Right, and therefore the free market equilibrium quantity QM is greater than the socially efficient one, which is QS, and because of that, they've decided to call for a ban. So the whole benefits discussion is basically about you know the extent of how you're going to address this market failure, things like that. 
But think about it, there's also probably going to be some cost in a way, right? So like cost to who? Like maybe to certain economic agents, or certain groups of people. So if you ban it, does it mean that, you know, some of these producers of food in food products, they'll have to go and source for more expensive ingredients to replace the PHO, right? Is it going to affect, you know, certain producers who are already producing these PHOs, for example? So in the article, they actually said that the affected uh, companies were like Gardenia, Nestle, NTUC, Prime Supermarket, uh, ETC. Uh, and I thought what was interesting is towards the first part of the article, they said that the six companies account for 50% of market share across the four high-risk food categories of snakes, snacks, sorry, baked goods, prepared meals, and fat spreads. So I thought this is interesting because it also brings in the idea of firms and decisions, right? These six companies account for 50%, right? So they are almost like an oligopoly. They have an oligopolistic nature. And because of that, is it possible that, you know, they actually have a lot of market power and they're able to price the goods quite uh, in quite in a more expensive uh, category? Most likely, yes, right? So by banning it, does it mean that they have to kind of switch to like another substitute for PHOs or something, right? That's something to be able to explore. So I think when we expand this question, right, beyond benefits and costs, we also need to think about like information. Like what kind of information do you need? You need to know like how risky this is. Right? You need to know how many people it's going to affect. Right? To what extent? Are there any unintended consequences? Are there any constraints? Are there any perspectives that we need to consider? So if you look at PHOs per se, they apparently are formed when liquid oil is converted to semi-solid fats like, to increase the shelf life of products. And very interesting, the way that this ban is actually implemented, it was in June just earlier this year, 2021. It allows the industry time to reformulate their products or find new product sources. This is an evaluative comment, right? because it makes us think that a ban is not always a bad thing if done in a certain way or contingent on certain factors. right? So under this ban, the food manufacturers are required to ensure that this PHO is not used in the manufacturing process while retailers and importers are required to ensure that the range of products does not include PHO as an ingredient. I think it's interesting because economic agents are not just producers, consumers and governments, right? it's even people along the supply chain. So it could be the people who are producing the food in the first place shouldn't have PHO, and then you even have the people downstream who are the retailers and importers whose food products they put inside the supermarket, right? you need to make sure that it doesn't have PHO. So, in conjunction with that, this kind of question could even be have a sort of macro slant if I were to, to change this question, like what is the macroeconomic impact also of this ban, right? Think about it, right, is that because of banning this good, right, uh, this particular ingredient, right, which is this trans fat, companies now have to find new ways of making food and that makes them more innov- innovative, right? And Enterprise Singapore right, provides in Enterprise Development Grant for some of this product reformulation, which is actually a good thing for consumers health-wise from a market failure perspective, right? And also from like a larger like you know economy perspective, like kind of driving uh, innovation, driving potential growth, right? And the way that this brand is done is there's provision of guidelines to facilitate a smooth transition and market surveillance is also conducted regularly to in- ensure that the industry is complying to the ban. So a ban in itself is not a bad thing if there are all of these mitigating strategies and that these appropriate things that are being done. So the new measure, uh, which is a bit more extreme, actually replaces a current 2% limit 
of the amount of trans fat content with fats and also in Singapore. So it's like a step up. Uh. Basically, last time there's a limit. There's like a partial ban. Now it's a complete ban. Right? And I think this is interesting because it talks about the different kinds of foods. Also, the article talks about where the trans fat is, like fat spreads, packaged meals, big goods and snacks. And the article talks about why trans fat is so bad uh, from a personal standpoint, which is the risk of like cardiovascular disease and all that stuff. Right? And they, they have done various health studies. Okay? So I think it's important, right, that at the end of this answer, right, let's say you want to know whether or not they should do something or not, right, it has to be contingent on other things being done, number one. Number two, when you implement a ban, you must make sure that people are not going to suffer too harsh consequences, including consumers, because they may have to pay a higher price, right, if you have to replace PHO with, like, another ingredient that is more expensive, because in the in- interim, you haven't found, like, a better alternative, right? But based on the studies that they have said inside the article, they said that there are enough alternatives so they don't expect uh, price increase okay and the way that the ban is also implemented is quite important to make sure that people are complying with the ban because usually people will say all oh, the constraints is that ban is limited by administrative costs compliance costs so you need to make sure that people are basically complying and that if you were to contravene the ban right you will actually be dealt with like, in an appropriate way okay and this is also done in conjunction with the fact that all these retailers manufacturers they continue to list like, the ingredients so they correct the info failure so i think this is a very interesting question because to ban pho is actually quite an extreme measure but i think it's definitely a step in the right direction as long as certain factors are accounted for and so i think on the whole let's say you want to answer this question you would probably want to rank the relative importance of the factors you need to recognize of course the trade-offs and the intended consequences and overall you need to probably come to a decision about whether or not you should ban PHOs under these circumstances. Right, so I hope that if you look at this question, it really helps you to engage more deeply with the application part because I think that's a very important uh, part of the subject which is to be able to apply what we have learned to new situations. It may not be a completely uh, you know, uh, tried and tested situation but it may be a new situation but we must make sure that we are wielding the right tools and that we have an accurate understanding of them. Okay, so... I will see you in the next episode. We're going to move on to demand and supply.